0: Yeah, the tool is a bit too enthusiastic and it's starting to reject claims or reject people wanting to buy insurance because it's picking up some signals that are just not correct. Um, and there's so much protection, as there should be, of course, for, for people buying insurance. So in a sense, it's it's slowed down the adoption of the use of generative AI by insurance companies.
1: Welcome back to Core Conversations, a Core Logic podcast, where we tour the property market to investigate how economics, climate change, governmental policies, and technology affect everyday life. I am your host, May Claire Bolton-Smith, and I'm just as curious as you are about everything that happens in our industry. InsurTech, which took its inspiration from the more widely known fintech industry, has been trying to transform the insurance industry since it came onto the scene by altering business models and disrupting an industry that has historically been seen as a slow adopter of technology. But has it succeeded? So to talk about this industry, whether it's revolutionizing insurance and what we can look forward to in the future, we've invited Matthew Grant, the CEO of Instech, to talk to us today. Matthew, welcome to Core Conversations.
0: I'm delighted to be here. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to be on the other side of the, uh, the microphone. And as I'm sure we'll talk about, I've got a very special place in my heart for, uh, for Core Logic.
1: Well, that is so great. And I, I love having another podcaster
2: on, on, the, on the podcast today. So that's really exciting. Before we jump into talking about whether InsurTech is revolutionizing the insurance industry and what these technologies mean for the future of the property market, I wanted to remind our listeners that we want to help you keep pace with the property market. To make it easy, we curate the latest insight and analysis for you on our social media, where you can find us using the handle at CoreLogic on Facebook and LinkedIn, or at CoreLogic Inc. on X, formerly known as Twitter, and Instagram. But now, let's get back to Claire and Matthew.
1: I mean, you and I have known each other for a number of years and in a former life, we're actually colleagues. So yeah, it's really great to talk to you about this today. So I guess let's just kind of start with the basics. Like most people probably have heard of InsurTech, but can we just talk a little bit about what exactly is it? Let's just define what we mean when we say InsurTech.
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. And the difficulty is, of course, lots of people have got a slightly different interpretation of it. I'd say for the purposes of what I'm going to talk about today and probably how most people think about it, companies that have come out in the last 10, 15 years using data analytics, new technology, either as risk carriers or risk intermediaries, quite often technology-enabled MGAs, or companies that are building technology for improving those analytics. I, I do use it slightly mm-hmm. carefully these days, though, because I feel there's a lot of really powerful... Analytics and data that has come out from companies that have been around much longer than that time period. And there's quite a lot of interesting things happening from companies that are outside of the traditional insurance industry. So, yeah, definitely look forward to talking a little bit more about it. But I I think for the purposes of today, it's probably those companies that have been around the last 10, 15 years.
1: Sure. Yeah. And and that's really what I want to dive into. So, I guess, you know, thinking of an insurance policy holder myself, and you know, I recently bought a new home, and we've had to get a new insurance policy. For somebody like me, who is a, as a homeowner who has an insurance policy, how has insure tech changed the way someone would imp- purchase their insurance today?
0: Uh, can I be a bit provocative, and I uh, say that yes, it, maybe not at all. I was listening to someone else's podcast. He mm-hmm. uh, doesn't really matter who he was, but he was a very interesting podcast. He's, he was outside of insurance. Normally, helps people find good ways to travel or get good deals and he was talking about buying insurance and what brought it home to me is you could have listened to that podcast 5 years ago 10 years ago probably wouldn't have changed he actually specifically named uh-huh. one company that uh didn't offer digital quotes because they'd been sued by a client who'd gone for an online quote he talked about filling oh, in another, another yeah another another company where he had to fill in about a 100 lines of data i think it was electronically but so I think, sadly, I'd say, yeah, there are lots of good examples. I don't want to be too cynical, but but not as much as people mm-hmm. might have hoped ten years ago. But there are definitely some differences coming through.
1: What What about the other side then? So maybe not for the homeowner purchasing insurance, but what about for the actual insurer? What about from their perspective? How is you know insuretech kind of revolutionized their the way they do things?
0: Yeah. So I say we're seeing quite a lot of changes there. I mean, it just going back to your question about somebody buying personalized insurance. I mean the the goal yeah. has been as consumers to not have to put in all of that information, put in two or three bits of data, maybe do it through your mobile device. That's starting to happen. I mean, over in the UK, we've been slightly further ahead of that and in the US. And now we're starting to see mm-hmm. that move into small commercial. So traditionally a commercial insurance buyer, small company would have had to go to a broker, uh, longer process. Now they're having the ability to buy that insurance much more efficiently. And yeah, the In the background, there are organizations and probably like yourselves that are providing the data that's giving a much more precise view of the risk and therefore a better price from an underwriting perspective and premium to that buyer of the insurance.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, okay, we've kind of broadly said insurance, right? But the insurance industry is, is huge and it goes everywhere from, you know, underwriting through to claims. So let's kind of take a step back and look at kind of the two different sides of insurance, both underwriting and claims, and talk a little bit about how, you know, Each of those is being influenced by InsurTech. So maybe let's just start with, you know, underwriting a policy, starting with where you're trying to acquire a new policy. It's being underwritten. How is InsurTech transforming or disrupting the way it's been done? Insurance has existed for hundreds of years.
0: Yeah, so disruption, I I, I sort of use this phrase now that in the, uh, well, we're going to step back. I mean, a lot of the Mm -hmm. companies that started off 10, 15 years ago, came out wanted to disrupt insurance that was their kind of mantra they raised funds on it i sort of said in the war between the insurers and the disruptors the insurers have won that one so we're not mm. seeing much disruption it's very different buying a policy once a year than it is you know, using your your banking app where you might sure. want to do transactions three or four times a day so so disruption yeah. less so but what has changed is back to this point that the insurer now has got access to a lot more high resolution data so if you're in a you, know, you are if you're in California okay. and you're in a, a wildfire zone, there should be more accuracy around you know what is what is the risk you're building if you're in a flood zone. And obviously in the US, uh, you've got more options now for buying flood insurance. There should be more accuracy mm-hmm. around the flood risk. If you're in your house, your insurer should know more about your property, they should know more about the rebuild cost. So the, the data is mm-hmm. much richer and that should benefit both the buyer of insurance and the underwriter in being able to underwrite more precisely. Uh, and of course, in the U.S., you're you're you've got a, a, a rated market, or you've got a regulated market for rates. Less flexibility sure, around yeah. pricing, but you know that people have to make choices about what they underwrite and who they who they insure.
1: Yeah, so maybe just even really, it's opened potentially opened the market for them to underwrite properties that they maybe wouldn't have in the past because they now have more data. Although on the opposite side of that, may make them be pulling back more too because they do actually see what the potential risk could be which we've seen from you know several insurers here in california
0: yeah although both actually so to your point about you know the way between the u.s and the market and you've got your admitted carriers in the u.s non-admitted so you might get a, a sort of standard admitted carrier that most people would recognize as a household names if you're in a high risk area mm-hmm. that that business will be written outside of the US quite typically often finds its way to London. So to your point about yeah. there's actually, there are more choices now because yeah, certain companies will take on risks, others wouldn't. So I'd say from a policyholders point of view, yes, they, they do actually get more choice. They might have to accept some limitations on the policy. They might have to make some changes to their property to make it more resistant or resilient to loss. But ultimately, it should be for the best for, uh, for the homeowner.
2: To learn more about how regulations and requirements are influencing the property insurance industry in the U.S., tune into last season's episode 54, Will Wildfire Risk Mitigation Requirements Change the California Insurance Industry? It aired on March 1st, 2023.
1: Now, what if we take the opposite side of that and from a claims perspective? So pipe breaks hurricane happens, you know, somebody has damage to their home, they need to file a claim. How has InsurTech maybe even more from the homeowner's side of things, they may see more more of an impact from the claim side? Can we talk about how that's a little bit different?
0: Yeah, it's, it's quite varied. I mean, the, the areas mm. that have been the most interesting to look at are around a couple of different uses of imagery to assess the loss. So on the one hand, you've got aerial imagery that so could be companies' that are flying aircraft or using satellites or even weather balloons to look at what happens after a hurricane and actually start to identify where properties have been damaged. That can help triage and allow insurers to settle claims more quickly if there's clearly been a loss or get loss adjusters out. There's also some quite interesting tools being used where people are able to use their own mobile phones or iPhones or Android devices pointed at some damage and that can help the Mm -hmm. loss adjuster yeah, assess the damage. In some cases, that's they're just literally using it as another pair of eyes. They haven't got to go out yeah. on site. In some cases, it's more sophisticated and it can actually take measurements and even sort of work out the loss. So that yeah, that that speeds up the claim. It reduces cost for everybody. Uh, yeah, the experience again, you know, everyone benefits from that with that new technology coming in.
1: Yeah, I mean that's one side of things to think of. You know, people taking mobile phone pictures and helping to kind of expedite the claims um, resolution. I, my brain instantly went to how does AI come into play with all of these things like is are we seeing you know AI being a big part of helping with claims resolutions I mean, I know on the underwriting side too that's that's kind of a big thing of having better understanding of what the attributes
0: of the property may be It's interesting you mentioned AI I mean if we're talking twelve yeah. months ago we'd have been thinking about AI artificial <laughs> intelligence in the old world now we tend to go straight to generative AI and chat GPT yeah and I'd say again, what's changed, a lot of companies used to claim to be using AI and just, even I mean, they were kind of running large Excel spreadsheets. I mean, definitely when there's large volumes of data and particularly large volumes of lost data, you're running machine learning and, and artificial intelligence to help understand the trends, the themes, does start to become really useful for a more accurate assessment of you know, how do you correlate the visual damage with the, the financial loss? So that's yeah. that's happening, And then as you get into ChatGPT and... Generative AI, then you get into a whole different level of you know how you use those tools, which was just, we can talk about. That's starting to get into a different area there about efficiency of looking at yeah. documentation and claims information.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting too because as you said, like a year ago we would have thought of you know just general AI, and now I mean the world has just been transformed by ChatGPT over the last twelve months. So it's it's interesting to see how it is that is a disruptor for many industries and how it is playing into our industry as well.
0: Yeah. And that's a good plug for a podcast we did with key insurance. I, I was really intrigued to see that Marsh McLennan, uh, have managed to achieve eight hours of, um, eight hours of time savings for their companies. And of course that includes the brokers. Um, and um, I'm just wondering if there's a correlation between the number of people we've seen having lunch and, uh, spending more time out <laughs> and about in London now that they've managed to save time. So, um, <laughs> transformation in some way, maybe not quite the way they expected. Uh, and then the other area we should talk about is algorithmic underwriting, which, I, which is actually ah, the next, next natural progression from that.
1: Let's talk a little bit more about that. What, what exactly is that algorithmic underwriting?
0: So, algorithmic underwriting essentially took its inspiration from the financial markets and investment markets where companies are using analytics, sophisticated analytics, to, to make decisions. Uh, probably mm-hmm. the one that is most well known. As you move to algorithmic underwriting, you take underwriter out of it altogether and, and it, you essentially have the machine doing the underwriting.
1: Interesting, interesting. So that, that is revolutionary and that is a big disruption to the industry that has existed for so long, potentially.
2: Before Matthew and Claire continue the conversation about InsurTech, it's that time again. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We're going to do the numbers in the housing market. Here's what you need to know. U.S. single-family rental prices were up by 2.5% year-over-year in October, marking the 18th straight month of annual deceleration. In fact, the drop in the rate of price growth between September and October was the largest in more than a decade. Although growth is slowing, the median renter household still pays about $500 more per month than it did in early 2020. Furthermore, it's the lower-priced rentals that are seeing the strongest price growth. San Diego, St. Louis, Boston, and New York led the way for year-over-year rental price increases. San Diego saw a 5.2% increase, St. Louis, a 5% increase, and Boston and New York both experienced a 4.7% increase. On the other side, Austin, Texas, and Miami posted annual losses of 2.1% and 1% respectively. Rent growth in Phoenix was flat. And that's The Sip. See you next time.
1: On this topic of generative AI, this is this is a big one because um, you know, at our Interconnect conference that we've just hosted, uh, we have this panel that talked about AI and in insurance, specifically generative AI. And we talked a little bit about responsible use of AI in insurance. So can you talk a little bit about this as well, Matthew?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a huge topic. We actually run a newsletter mm-hmm. on what insurers are doing in generative AI. And what we're seeing is that there's a lot of caution around allowing p- employees to use Gentive AI tools because of the, mm-hmm. the issue is in terms of how you deal with your customers. Yeah, and one of the big risks that where people are trying to use Gentive AI for example, to identify fraud is there have been cases where yeah. yeah the tool is a bit too enthusiastic and it's starting to reject claims or reject people wanting to buy insurance because it's picking up some signals that are just not correct. Um, and there's so much protection, as there should be, of course, for for people buying insurance. So yeah. in a sense, it's it's slowed down the adoption of the use of generative AI by insurance companies. Where where we're seeing more use of it is people doing internal reviews of, for example, you know, looking at claims documentation to see what's covered. But but yeah, the insurance companies are moving very carefully, even to the extent that quite a few of them now are banning the use of generative AI at work for their employees just as a blanket ban because they're so worried about this. Interesting. Sort of getting out of control. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I can see how it very easily could.
2: Before we continue this episode, we wanted to take a break and let you know about an upcoming event that will blow your socks off. Come to Orlando from February 26th through the 29th for the RAA Cat Risk Management Conference hosted by the Reinsurance Association of America. While you're there, you can find CoreLogic and meet some of our previous podcast guests while you dive into the world of catastrophe risk management. Attendees will have first access to CoreLogic's annual Severe Convective Storm Report and can also snag some limited edition Severe Convective Storm Socks. Register at the link in the show notes and see you there. Okay, so so
1: far we've, we've really focused on primary insurance. What about the reinsurance market? How is that being impacted by InsurTech?
0: Yeah, I mean, the really exciting thing about reinsurance, certainly my career, has been the speed with which reinsurance companies and specialty insurance companies can adopt new technology. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they there's it's still a regulated industry, clearly, but they're not dealing directly in many cases with the ultimate you know, personal lines individual. And so, a little bit of what we were talking about on the algorithmic underwriting. Yeah, they've got the, they and they historically have been the ones that have used data very effectively to manage portfolios, make decisions about going into new lines of business. So think, you know, the power of reinsurance is you can enable new types of risk. You know, cyber is the one we've seen most recently. We all know sure. about the massive yeah. insurance gap. I think going back to Jen, to AI, you know, one of the things we haven't yet seen is the insurance to insure for problems that come through misuse of generative AI. Copyright's one big issue about people mm. getting sued for copyright mm-hmm. issues. So, so For sure, yeah. Yeah, and then I think that liability risk and of course, again, back to our experience of catastrophes, you, we don't know what's ahead of us in next year, but we do know that as major catastrophes evolve, reinsurance has stepped in as it did with terrorism to be able to provide insurance protection for that so that insurance companies can continue to support their clients with insurance.
1: Yeah. And we do know, especially with the you know, climate change and with a lot of our catastrophes getting stronger and, and more impactful and having greater losses and really just the, the changing in losses, too. I mean, one thing we've talked about on this podcast is how catastrophe trends have changed and how we used to plan for earthquake and hurricane. And now they're severe convective storm and hail and wildfire really taking over. So kind of understanding all of that as well, too, as we kind of pull all things together from an ins- reinsurance perspective.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, wildfire five years ago, we wouldn't, have 10 years ago, maybe we wouldn't have thought about it as a parallel tool, mm-hmm. as you say. It's now really Absolutely. not dominating. It's sort of very significant.
1: Yeah. Okay. I think to to kind of wrap up today, we've definitely seen big transformation because of InsurTech. Uh, do we think the insure tech revolution is over or is it just beginning, especially with generative AI really taking over? if, you know, if we had this conversation five years ago, you know, we kind of talked about where we thought we would be today and where we are, where do you think we're going to be in even one, five, 10 years from now?
2: Before we end this episode on insuretech, let's take a break and talk about what's happening in the world of natural disasters. CoreLogic's Hazard HQ Command Central reports on natural catastrophes in extreme weather events across the world. A link to their coverage is in the show notes. In December, tornadoes and severe thunderstorms hit Tennessee and Kentucky in the U.S. CoreLogic estimated that 10,345 single and multifamily homes in the areas affected by the storms have at least 30% chance of tornadic damage. This late season tornado is partially due to the current phase of the El Nino Southern Oscillation or ENSO. El Nino phases coincide with a southeastern shift in the jet stream as well as increased precipitation in the southeast. Then, on New Year's Day, Japan's Noto Peninsula was rocked by a magnitude 7.5 earthquake that caused widespread damage. The earthquake occurred at a shallow depth of 6.2 miles or 10 kilometers beneath the Earth's surface at 9.10 p.m. local time. The U.S. Geological Survey reported Level 9 ground shaking on the modified Mercalli intensity scale, and the mayor of Suzu, a nearby town, said that over 90% of the 5,000 homes in the city may have been damaged or destroyed. CoreLogic estimates that insured losses in Japan could be between one and five billion dollars. While the year is just starting off, if you're curious to hear about what happened in the world of natural catastrophes in 2023 and what we can look forward to in 2024, get ready for an upcoming episode of Core Conversations where we will invite back John Schneier, CoreLogic's Director of Catastrophe Response.
0: I, if I can just reframe the question a little bit, so we don't get caught up yeah. on InsureTech is only companies that you know, came around in the last 10 to 15 years. I'd say, without doubt, the, the leaders of insurance companies recognize the importance of technology and moving to full digital, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to do it. And they know they need to do it. So that's a that's difference from 10 years ago. There are lots of solutions. Sure, yeah. you know, I think what's really exciting is there's companies coming in from outside of insurance that have already got access to data. There may be companies managing properties, yeah, uh, coming in from marine, looking at every asset that's out there that, that currently needs to be insured. And so you're harnessing that experience, those customers, in into the insurance space. So you know I, mm-hmm. th- where the big opportunities are is is that seamless insurance. So with your, you know, your individual people, frankly, don't really care too much about insurance. They just want to get covered for when they have a loss without having to worry about did they buy sure. the right insurance or will their insurance be there on the day. I, I, I believe there will be insurance organizations coming through that will win because they will look after their customers and they'll, you know, they'll filter out the ones that are trying to be fraudulent, but they will have this, yeah. a very satisfactory experience of when they have a loss, they get the loss paid for and claims get settled quickly and they'll continue staying as a customer of that insurance company.
1: Yeah. Ultimately, that's what people want, is they want to make sure that their insurance company has their back when the unexpected happens.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay, Matthew, this has been so great. Thanks so much for joining me today on Core Conversations, Core Logic podcast. It was so great to chat with you.
0: No, thank you, Michele. It's, it's been a pleasure to be here.
1: All right. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Jesse Devinen, editor and sound engineer Romeo Roman, our facts guru Erica Stanley, and social media duo Sarah Buck and Mikayla Brooks. Tune in next time for another Core Conversation.
2: You still there? Well, thanks for sticking around. Matthew Grant is the CEO at InsTech and the host of the weekly InsTech podcast. He has 25 years of experience in catastrophe modeling, first with EQE and then 20 years with RMS where his mission to promote the use of data and analytics in making insurance decisions was ignited. You can follow his podcast at instechco forward slash podcast or find a link in the show notes. InsTech is a company born in London and focused on identifying and promoting the use of the best technology, data, and analytics within insurance and risk management around the world.